So, yeah, I was trying to prove that I wasn't washed up, that I could still play ball, and I was wearing my low-top Curry 2s all red, and I was feeling good. First two minutes into the game, went to cut, shattered my ankle. So, still played on it because, like I said, I had to prove I wasn't washed up, but I have been hurting all week since I did that, and just goes to show you, you're not as young as you think you are anymore. Hashtag washed king. <laughs> what you gonna do? But this is <clears throat> Top of the Hill, and we're back. Let's go. Welcome back to Top of the Hill. Here we go. NBA playoffs. There will be a Game 7. Since our last episode, the Nets and the Bucks have played a pair of games, split them one-to-one apiece. Kevin Durant had his game last night. We're recording on Friday. Chris Middleton had his game Thursday night. Chris Middleton is who James Harden wishes he could be. As I said on my Twitter when I tweeted it, not a prisoner of the moment take whatsoever. I'm living with that, live and die by it, until Harden has 40 points in Game 7. So let's start right there. The Nets beat the Bucks on, what was that, Tuesday night? In just what was a nothing, can, you can describe it as nothing more than a legendary game for KD. He had finished with 49, 17, and 10, and played all 48 minutes of the game. It's the third time he's done that in his career. And it was kind of a pivotal, pivotal game for the Nets. It was at home court to force to take the 3-2 lead and go into Game 6 with the advantage, and now they're going to come home and have a Game 7. So just what are your takeaways from that game for the Nets? So that's what we talked about last podcast. We said that it's not a defining um, series for KD's career, but if he goes off and he wins the series for the Nets, that it will improve his legacy, in my opinion at least, and what he did with 49 points. Um, <clears throat> I just think... Even though KD went off, I think that the Bucks just completely lost that game. I think that, I mean, they had like a twenty at one maybe, point. It was they, like, at one what? point they had a seventeen point seventeen lead. point lead. But instead of dominating the paint, which they had been doing all game, and just keep running up the score, they allowed KD to do his thing. Which uh, of course there's no stopping that. But offensively for the Bucks, they just kept chucking up threes, which is not their strength. And ultimately, it lost them the game. Yeah, I agree. At the same time, when a player like Kevin Durant, a player like Anthony Davis, a player like LeBron James, those those guys that you kind of just hold into your your loose top five of who the best players mm-hmm. are in the league, when they're doing their thing at the top of their There's game, no stopping it. they're going to get theirs, yeah. exactly. There's no way to really stop it. You kind of just have to hope that you can overcome the storm, mm-hmm. and the Bucks were unable to do that. And l- let me just mention... I thought KD was going to go for 50. He missed one of his free throws late. I was so ready to press send on the KD 50 burger. (laughs) I was so ready to press send, and then he ended up with 49. Still an iconic, iconic game, almost reminiscent of his OKC days because I think we'll all admit when he was with the Warriors, obviously he still had his great games and stuff, and he still did his great things. But with such a devastating team around Mm -hmm. him, it was hard for him to necessarily always seem like he had the shine. and. So that's what uh, Tuesday night's game was reminiscent of for me, is it was like young prime KD when he was with I the agree. Thunder. 
He was a lot of fun to watch. I'll, I'll 100% give him that. So Harden did play in that game. He came mm-hmm. back miraculously. Yeah. Who knows what the deal is. He's got a hamstring. He went from his out back to doubtful to questionable to playing all, with all, all within the same day. It was insane. So he was basically just a decoy yeah, in that game, I think so, in that yeah. game five. He, I think he was one of ten from the field. He had five points in the game. Yeah, he misses. He had eight like assists, but he threes. had five points. And yeah. I get it. Anything you can get from Harden at that yeah. point would be a good thing. But he's your scorer, so he did do better in Game Six. But Game Six was no doubt the Chris Middleton game. Oh yeah, thirty-eight points, just unconscious from beyond the arc in the paint, doing his thing, doing what he did best around the floor. Giannis had another nice night. He kind of stepped up to the challenge of guarding KD, mm-hmm. of guarding the best players on the Nets, guarding Harden when, when he had to because he is a back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year winner, not this season, but last year and the year before. Mm-hmm. So he stepped up to the challenge. They won on their home court. The Nets won on their home court. We're going to get an awesome Game 7 Saturday night. I think it's going to be crazy. And I've been arguing about this all week with different people is while there's two schools of thought, basically, right? If the Bucks win the Game 7 and they go on, you'd like to see them go on to the finals and ha- let Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and the Bucks have their moment because this has been a long time coming for Giannis. He wins the back-to-back MVPs. He wins the Defensive Player of the Year awards. You want to see him do it on the biggest stage. But at the same time, I think it's better for the NBA for the Nets to go on. To, Why? For the Nets to go on because, and I think I mentioned this on Wednesday's show, is... The NBA, more so I feel like than any other league, thrives off storylines. The Nets were one of the major storylines all season because of the super team that they created, and we've mentioned how before they're kind of the villainous super team, right? So you want to see, and you for the product of the NBA itself, you want to see the most exciting players go on and do their thing in the biggest stage. And I think that you could argue that even when Giannis is at his best, his game overall is not necessarily as exciting as yeah, lasts, a KD, yeah. as a Harden, yeah. as a Kyrie. That makes sense. So I yeah, think, but what if Kyrie? I mean, Harden's injured right now. Obviously, he's playing injured, and then Kyrie's status for the rest of the playoffs is uncertain. So I mean, that's a good. Point. You're getting yeah, you're getting those KD threes that you're not getting with Giannis. But I mean, there's not that big of a difference, and especially with all the heat. I feel like that the Nets generate. Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I think it goes, it can go either way. Who do you think will win though? Game seven. It's it's. I think Brooklyn's home. So I, yeah, I'm gonna. Which is where I have to ride with Brooklyn because yeah. they are home, and I think if Harden plays again, which I'm assuming he will. Yeah, he will. Maybe he has a put it all together game because he had some scoring on Thursday night. He had some assists on. Points, yeah. He had some assists on t- t- Tuesday night. What if he puts it all together and you get 35 from KD? <clears throat> Hard to beat, you know what I mean? If Giannis has a monster game, maybe things are different. I don't know. But we're seeing the home court advantage come back this year. Last year was the bubble. That was all completely gone. But I think being on your home court helps, and it's nice to do stuff in front of your own fans, your home fans. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think this will be the most – we've only had one game seven so far, and it was the Clippers and the Mavs. And Mm -hmm. I actually didn't get to watch any of that game because it was at 3.30 on a Sunday, and I had to go to work. But I think that this will be the most exciting Game 7 we've had yet because of the star power involved. And of all the series that are left that could go 7, this is still the best one. So the Clippers are going to have a chance to end the series against the Jazz. They play. Did they play? I think they They played played tonight. tonight, So Friday night. 
So they're going to have a chance to end the series. If not, that one will go seven. They'll probably play on Sunday. Same with the Hawks tonight. The Hawks and the Sixers play tonight. <coughs> so let's get right into the Hawks and Sixers because the Sixers blew another lead this week to the Hawks. The Hawks came back and won the game. Trey Young, I believe he had 37, which was a playoff career high. Mm-hmm. And just an interesting stat came out of that, and we have to talk about first and foremost Doc Rivers, the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Over the last two postseasons, Doc Rivers has blown five out of the eight largest leads in the last two postseasons. His teams, whether it was the Clippers or now the Sixers, yep. have blown these large leads, and it's almost just how does this keep happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. So just if you're not familiar, Sixers star players are Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris is probably their third best guy. Yeah. So in the second half of game game five against the Hawks, the only two players to make a field goal in the second half from the floor for the Sixers were Seth Curry, Stephen Curry's brother, and Joel Embiid. Simmons scoring has long been talked about. Oh, he's not a great shooter. He's not a great scorer. But he does so many other things at an elite level that he's able to neutralize and minimize that. I think as we're getting deeper into the playoffs, you're seeing that if you're going to be the team's second best player or even arguably their best player, you have to be, you have to score because you have to be a reliable threat. Yeah. Basically, you can't be one of your team's best players and not be on the floor in the final minutes because the other team will attack you because they know you can't get it done. Yeah. It creates a very hard and interesting conversation for Mm -hmm. the Sixers. But. I mean, did you watch? Did you get a chance to watch all that Hawks Sixers game? I watched the end of it. Yeah, I got home from working. I caught the very end of it. The Sixers were leading the whole way, and yeah. then I said, "Oh shoot, this is a close game," and just, just heartbreaking for Philly fans, for people that bought into the process for all these years because they're finally here. They're yeah. the first seed. They were supposed to make easy work of the Hawks. They have great defense. They got scoring on all three levels, and here are the Hawks with a three-two lead in the series. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. It's just, it's craziness. Um, what do you think? Do you think that they the Sixers keep riding it out with Ben Simmons or what? I don't know, because there's talk that he could be in a trade move now, and you have to wonder. I, I Somebody brought it up the other day. Is There was at one time before Harden got traded from the Rockets. I think Ben a, Simmons. A Simmons for Harden yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was discussed, yeah. and it, it didn't end up going through. Yeah. Could you imagine if it was Harden and Embiid were your that, best two. Yeah. Harden's hurt right now, so it's obviously but, yeah, hard to say. Still, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I so agree. you wouldn't have to worry about the scoring. Yep. So it's just. And that's the thing, like, obviously they have Seth Curry on the outside who can hit those threes all day long. And you have you have Joel Embiid who can step outside, but he's a center, so he's inside most of the most of the time, most of the plays. And then you have Ben Simmons who can't hit anything outside of the the um the free throw line. So what are you doing? You're putting all five of your defenders within within the free throw line, between the free throw line and the basket. So basically, you can't have a point guard who's going to come up the floor and you're 10 feet off of him every single play. And it's just very difficult to score that way. Don't get me wrong. If this was 10 years ago, 15 years yeah, ago, it'd be a different story. the Sixers would be the most dominant yeah, team in the league right now sure. with what they do. For sure. But as the game has transitioned to more of outside shooting, more three-point opportunities, more ball movement yeah. and open looks, it's hard to have your best two players be a six foot ten point guard that struggles to create from the outside. And a seven-foot And seven. a seven-foot center who can do that, but he's your center. Yeah, so you, so you need him, him to be yeah. in the paint 
blocking shots, doing getting things rebounds, on the block, yeah. getting rebounds. Exactly. So you because basically you take him out of the paint and put him on the three point line. You have to put somebody down there to get exactly, rebounds, yeah. and who would you want down there to get rebounds? That's going to do it better than Joel Embiid can do. Yeah. So it's a it's a conundrum, quite the conundrum. If Trey Young and the Hawks win the series tonight before this podcast even comes out, just what a run they would be! Oh they would God, have automatically become the best story from these playoffs oh, yeah, in my sure. mind, because it's just it's crazy the yeah. things that they're doing. Because they came in the playoffs, we talked about this is. Nobody was talking about yeah. them. It was the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks. The Knicks are back. The Knicks are the four seed. The Knicks are going to win. Brooklyn versus Knicks, conference finals. Like, I even chirp for that because that would just be iconic, right? But they made quick work of the Knicks. The Knicks are gone. Now they're on the verge of getting rid of the Sixers, too. Yeah. The number one seed in the conference. And then from there, it doesn't get any easier for them because they're either going to get the Nets or the Bucks. But at that point, it's almost like, well, we just took down the first seed. Yeah, we seed. made it this far. We won any yeah, challenge. exactly. So, I don't know. There's a lot to come, and this could all be a moot point because, like I said, this episode could come out in the morning tomorrow when it's supposed to, and Saturday morning, that is. And the Hawks could have closed out the series. Or the Sixers could win tonight, and we'll get another Game Mm 7. I said it on our last episode, Game 7s are the best thing in the NBA. The more, the better. Mm -hmm. So, let's just talk about the last series that has to come up, and that's the Jazz and the Clippers. They play tonight as well. The Clippers got some bad news this week, finding out that... Kawhi was going to be out for an undisclosed amount of time with a knee problem. Not exactly sure what the knee problem is at the moment. But that didn't matter for the Clippers in their next game because they still won. And Terrence Mann, who started in place of Kawhi Leonard, dunked on the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. And it was just a crazy highlight. And they won that game. Paul George is playing great basketball right now. So if the Clippers come out again tonight, like they came out on, what was that, Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday. It would just... They'd win the series, they'd go on to face the Suns now, and it's just craziness. But for the Jazz, the thing that I've seen for them in their losses so far in this series is they're, they're I'm pretty sure that they're the best three-point shooting team in the entire NBA. If they're not number one, they're right up there. Mm-hmm. They're reliant on getting their three-pointers to fall, and that's how they beat teams. Great ball movement, great defensive play, great three-point looks. Well, they, they had a stretch in the third quarter of their last game. What was that, game five? So... They had a stretch where they, I think it was the third quarter, they went like 1 of 10 from deep yeah. or 0 of 10 from deep. You're going to dig yourself a hole that way, and then you if all you have left that, yeah. if all you have left is the fourth quarter, yeah. it just makes it that much harder. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, Paul George had 37 and 16 in Game 5. He showed up. PG-13. Not pandemic P, not playoff P, PG-13. That's the best version of Paul George that you get. And almost reminiscent of his Indiana days. I've said on the pod before that I am a Paul George stand through and through. But some news for the Jazz. They head into game six, the number one seed, and they're not supposed to they were not supposed to sweat through these playoffs, right? The West, of course, is a vaunted conference. It's always very good. Donovan Mitchell's now a game time decision. So if he doesn't play And Mike Conley. And Mike Conley. So if the, if they don't play, things get that much harder. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I don't know. I don't know. What's your take on the whole thing? I mean, I was honestly a little surprised. Well, not really because obviously Paul George has it in him. But I was surprised that he showed up in that way and they actually won by nine points or eight points, whatever it was. Um, Paul George had his night just like KD did the couple nights prior to that. So, I thought it was cool. I think the Jazz are in a lot of trouble. I think Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley will still play tonight. But if they're injured, it's like, it's just like the James Harden situation. It's like... 
how good can they really play? Can they play up to the level that they're usually playing at or what? So I think the Clippers will win this series, actually. And that that creates such a hard thing, too, for the Jazz, is if they're up 3-2, maybe they can rest their guys. Exactly. And yeah. if you lose, put all your chips to the table for exactly. Game 7. Like Reggie yeah. Miller did. I mean, I'm sure you saw the Reggie Miller tweet. Reggie Miller tweeted after the Nets won Game 5, should the Nets consider resting Harden and KD in Game 6 and push all their chips to the table for Game 7? Mm. You should never do that, no, first yeah. and foremost. Well, that's bad but for basketball. Exactly, it's yeah. bad for basketball. But that's the exact thing, is if that was the Jazz, if the Jazz had won their Game 5 to go up 3-2, to two, now that they could actually look at that, maybe Donovan Mitchell would get to sit out. But in a do-or-die situation, he's your best ball handler, he's your best shot creator, he's your best scorer. Yeah. You need him out there. So, I mean, that's really all I have on the three playoff series to go right now. The Suns are just awaiting an opponent. Chris Paul's in the COVID protocol, yeah, that's which crazy. is crazy. They're, I don't know where that came from. I'm not like sure. Random. Yeah, that all that was just the crazy NBA Wednesday when yeah. all a bunch of news dropped. Yeah, but hopefully he'll be back. If he has to miss time, it's only one game. Hopefully, yeah, one or two games. So because he is the thing that makes the Suns go. Oh, the yeah, Suns are sure. a good team. Yeah, he. You've heard the term "glue guy" mm-hmm. all your life, I'm sure. He's the glue guy that makes the engine run. Because yeah. a lot of times, glue guy is kind of has a negative connotation mm-hmm. where it's like they don't do anything special. They just or, hold yeah, the team hold, together. Yeah. He does a lot of things special, but he's also that glue guy. So, I don't know. That will be interesting, but they don't know who they're going to play yet. It could be the Jazz. It could be the Clippers. Other NBA news that we have to talk about. Kemba Walker got dealt from Boston. He got traded for, I believe, it was him in a first-round pick. There might have been some Horford. other picks for Al Horford. <laughs> so... The talk about Kemba was that he had one of the worst contracts in the league for yeah. anybody to acquire. Nobody wanted him. The Celtics, after their, they kind of fell apart this year down the stretch. They lost Jalen Brown. So Kemba, and Kemba was not what they brought Kemba in to be ultimately. No. So they had to try to move on for him from him. And so now he's gone. He's going to go to OKC and just, I don't know what's next for the Celtics, if that makes sense. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm surprised that they gave up their first round pick. That well, was really surprising. So to me. everything that I heard about Kemba is that he had he wouldn't have gone he was a negative one. trade value if that makes yeah. sense because it's like because his contract Goff was so bad situation exactly nobody yeah. wanted his contract so you have to give so you away. have to give more in return to get rid of him that makes sense it's yeah. almost it's basically sure we'll take him on but you got to give us more you got to yeah. give us something that's enticing because Kemba's not that and yeah. Kemba is a great player mm-hmm. but he's one of those guys that's on the fringe of elite. And above average, I think you can put a fringe right there. I would say with his Celtics play, he's been not even. Well, that's the thing average. is like, when he was with the Hornets. Yeah, he I he think, was considered in the more elite category, yeah. and so since he's been in Boston, he's, he's been, fallen yeah. down in people's opinions yes. in the world of sports opinion of his play. And who knows? Maybe he goes and has a Chris Paul like year in OKC. Yeah. If he, if that's where he sticks around, he mm-hmm. could get moved again. He could get bought out, and he could go somewhere else. I just don't know what the future. F- holds for him and for either of these two sides because who knows what the Thunder are going to do with all their picks. For <sighs> they the have like 20 in like the next How crazy would it be if somehow they just acquired every pick <laughs> in the first round of a draft? That would be craziness. One other note on the Celtics that we have to mention is Jason Tatum did not make an all-NBA team. That it, yeah. So I got some clarity on this. I was listening to a podcast. Um, it's called This League. It's a, it's a Barstool podcast. Mm-hmm. It's all-NBA talk. So the reason, I was wondering why, that how did he, with such a great year, not make a single All-NBA team, is he could have received votes as either a guard 
or a forward. forward. Oh, and he received and some so, of both. And so, since he got some as uh, both, the way it split, he didn't receive enough to beat that's stupid. any of the guards or any of the Why forwards. Why, though? He's not a, he was a small forward. He played yeah, small I forward. don't know. That makes and no sense. It, it, it's all part of the positionless era that's in the so NBA. That's so stupid, though. But he, regardless, I think he should have gotten it so, over Jimmy Butler and... Who's the other one? Paul George. Paul was George, the other forward yeah. on the third team. I think so. That's so crazy. the caveat to that, though, is he lost out on about, I believe it was $32 million yeah, on a contract, a on contract. a Supermax extension. Contract, yeah. Because if you make an all-NBA team, the, I don't know what the word for it, it, it elevates to a yeah. new price. And the same happened with Donovan Mitchell. He was on the first seed in the yeah. West, and he didn't make an all-NBA team. So they both are going to be due for extension soon. They both came out of 2017 class, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they'll be due for their extension soon. And since neither of them made that All-NBA team this year, both who had great years, obviously. Mm-hmm. Tatum was top 10 in points and they didn't make an All-NBA yeah, team. Yeah, he was like I don't nine. understand that. Yeah. I don't understand that. But So they'll lose out on some money, 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 which it all sounds relevant because they're still going to make a boatload. But $32 million is nothing to scoff at, and they just lost yeah. that because they didn't get voted in by the I media. I mean, the Celtics are the real winners there. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like They don't absolutely. have to pay him that much more absolutely. money. $8 million more a year, whatever it is. So there's that. I don't have much else on that. We need to talk about the Mavericks, and that'll wrap yeah, up our NBA like coverage for this episode. Is they've parted ways with Rick Carlisle, their head coach. I can't remember if it was a mutually agreed parting yeah, of ways. I think he said he wasn't going to return. So, yeah. and then also their GM's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. So and Kristaps Porzingis wants out, or he's unhappy. He hasn't. I don't know if he's come out and said that he wants out, but he's unhappy. It begs the question. Is Luka uncoachable? Is Luka Doncic uncoachable? No. <laughs> but it's like, that that really sucks for the GM and head coach that goes in there. It's like, yes, you're getting the superstar of Luka Doncic who is going to be, you know, one of the MV. Well, he's just he's one of the best players in the league and he's going to be for years to come. But you're also putting yourself in a situation where it's like your second best player in quotation marks, Kristaps Porzingis, wants out because he doesn't like his role. And then you have a team that is good enough for the playoffs, but they can't get out of the first round. So it's like, how do you build that contender around Luka and deal with all the stickiness that goes into it right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I lied. There's one more NBA story we have to talk about. Scott Brooks. With the Wizards. Good riddance to him, by the way. (laughs) No, that's not what I was going for. But um, Stan Van Gundy out as, was it Stan? Who's the one that's on ESPN? They're brothers, the Van Gundy brothers. Oh, I have no idea. So Stan Van Gundy was the coach of the New Orleans Pelicans this year. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to double-check that it was Stan, but I'm like 98% sure. Anyways, he is not coming back as their coach next year. So the story now comes out that members of Zion Williamson's family want him out of New Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, they want the coach out or Zion? Zion. They want Zion. Okay, to yeah. I did the coach is gone. Did, Stan Van oh, yeah, is out right, after yeah. one and they, year. And they don't like how they can't build a contender around Zion. Because Zion will that, now yeah. be going into his third season with his third new yeah. head coach. Yeah, and yeah, think yeah. about how many talented pieces they have down there. They and do. they just underperform. They did. Brandon Ingram, as much as nobody will give him the credit, is a talented ball player. Zion's a once-of-a-generation type Lonzo. ball player. Lonzo, as much hate as he draws, he's still a good player. Is a good playmaking yeah. point guard. Mm-hmm. You, it's just you saw it with Anthony they have Davis. Stephen Adams now too. Stephen Adams yeah, too. I forgot about him. You saw it with Anthony Davis. He was there forever. They never truly put a a team they only made that could go somewhere twice, around him. Yeah. He was carrying the whole load. Yeah. Before that, it was Chris Paul. 
Chris Paul played his years in uh, with the Hornets. They were yeah. the Hornets back then before they were the Pelicans. Nothing able to happen there. Yep. He went out, almost went to the Lakers, yep. ended up going to the Clippers. Yep. It's year three and Zion wants to leave New Orleans. I mean, can I, you blame him? No, I can't. I mean, like you just said, Anthony Davis and Chris Paul, two of the league's finest stars. Hall of like, Famers when Hall they retire. Famers, yeah. Hall of Famers when they and retire. And they could never get it done. They couldn't put a contender around both those players. So it's almost just, it begs, to me, in my mind, it begs two questions. It's one, how long until this explodes and Zion actually yeah. goes? Is it a year? Is it six months? Is it two years? How long until the NBA looks at it as like maybe we should put this franchise somewhere else? You know what yeah, I mean? Because now. it's not like they're just playing number one overall pick lottery ball every year, but you can't be comfortable with mediocrity. No, and it doesn't appear as if the Pelicans, New Orleans as a franchise, has you know been able to doing. put it together yeah. to try to build a contender. Yeah. I get it; they play in the West, and it's a good conference. But you've seen other teams rise up. Obviously, the Lakers are a bad example because they're L.A. and they can rebuild their entire team like that. But just think about it. The Jazz had their down years. They get Mitchell. They get Gobert. Reset it. The Nuggets, not always the top of the conference. Lost Carmelo Anthony. Now look where they are. The Blazers built a title team. Not a title team, excuse me. Built a team that went to a Western Conference Finals with Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. It's just it can be done, and it's not being done in New Orleans. So I don't know what the answer is, but it's crazy to me that Zion could reportedly leave because it was such a big deal when New Orleans got the first pick and that's where he was going. Fresh off Anthony Davis shipping out of town and getting all those pieces in return. It's like, it was a great young core. What else? They're going to be exciting to watch. And they haven't been. They haven't been playing great basketball. The bubble, as much as no one will admit, the rules in the bubble were structured to give the Pelicans a chance to sneak in as the eighth seed. They were unable to do so. You think? Yeah, just because, sort of, kind of, because whatever seed they were, I can't remember what seed they were way back when, that's how many they invited, like, deep into the postseason. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they gave them an outside shot, but they still gave them a shot because yeah. they needed Zion to be in the bubble. Yeah. So I don't know what the answer is, and it's just a crazy concept to me that two years from now, Zion Williamson could legitimately be playing for a team like the New York Knicks, and that's not crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. So that about wraps up. Our NBA talk. We want to shift now. We did a great interview today. We have a great interview for you. We interviewed a couple of national champions. We interviewed Delaney Hill, Lexi Strobel, and Carrie Hessen, three members of the Salisbury Women's Championship Lacrosse team. Undefeated season, won the national title. That was back in May at this point, but we got them on the call, and we're going to put that interview in right here. It was a great, great interview, and it was a lot of fun to have them on. So before we even get started, before we get into anything, thank you guys so much for uh, taking the time to do this with us. Um, I had the idea like last week, and then Delaney was like, I can probably get Carrie and Lexi too. And I was like, the more the better. That would be sick. So, um, yeah, so basically what we do is we just we do a podcast. We do like blogs and stuff. We like to cover sports. And you guys won the national championship, so one of the biggest stories, no doubt, right? <laughs> so... Let's, I guess we can just like start there. Um, so obviously COVID last year ended all your guys' season short. This year you came back, you had a season and nobody beat you all year, right? <laughs> so you guys get all the way to the national championship and to win it, I guess if you could just kind of describe your feelings about how the season went. Um, it was, it, 
was just insane. The fact that we went undefeated and then could cap it all off by winning the national championship was the cherry on top of everything. But um, I just, it went by so, I, it just went by so fast. And these two, I just, they're absolutely amazing. Um, so having them help lead the team and everything that they contributed um, was just awesome. Yeah, I think um, just coming from last year was such a heartbreak for everyone. Um, so the first game, we knew that we needed to play every game like it was our last and not take advantage of any practice, any time we have spent together. Um, and just, like, go outside and, and just, like, know that we're, we're together in a team. And, like, even the bad days are, are good opportunities for us. We carried that through the entire season. Um and our, our, our team chemistry was the best it's ever been, even with COVID. Um, and that's why we made it so far. And that's why we were so successful. Uh, and, you know, we're ultimately able to come out victorious. Especially with last year ending short, we knew coming back this year, we weren't really sure if we were going to go. We Every game was, like, questionable, like, depending on if COVID kept on getting better or worse. So we just went out there every game depending on like, well, will this be our last whatever, um, played our hearts out. And with our season ending earlier last year, we knew that we had to win it for our our seniors last year that didn't get to go all the way because I think we definitely would have a chance um, last year if we had the opportunity. Yeah, and the seniors from last year, it was so cool. They were at the – well, they were there the whole Final Four weekend, mm -hmm. but at the national championship after they won – they were on the field crying with us and it was like they wanted to so that was awesome okay yeah and so from there I just want to ask I was peppering Delaney about stuff to talk about <laughs> and um the lip tattoos I gotta know more about that whose idea was it was it like spur of the moment did you guys decide after you won the championship when we get back to Salisbury we're going to the tattoo place we're getting our lip tattoos kind of just what was that like <laughs> when was it NCAA tournament we're like if we win it well, yeah, but last year I was like, if we go all the way, I'm getting a lip tat. And then we, our season ended short. And then my sister has a lip tat and then it was brought up on the bus and hers doesn't say yeah. natty. And um, so then we're like, oh my gosh, if we win the natty, let's all get lip tats. And everyone yeah. was like, yeah, let's do it. And then only eight of us got us, we got it. Um, and then one girl actually got a uh, rib tat, but all three of us have it. Yeah, <laughs> um, we yeah that was on the bus ride to the final yeah. four, like the whole weekend, and we were all. We were, <laughs> I think at first it was just a crazy idea, but then we got back, and it was that we won on a Sunday, and then got back on Monday. And Tuesday, we all went and got the lip tattoos. And it was, that's been, like, the best part of being home is everybody's like, okay, let me see it. <laughs> well, everyone was so down to do it. And then we had some stragglers, like, oh, yeah. when we came, like, let's go get it. People were like, nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it didn't really hurt at all. Like, no, that's everybody's first question so is, like, that had to hurt. Yeah, and I was like, it honestly didn't even feel like I thought it was gonna be so much more painful, but I was like, this is easy money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh question for Lexi now. Um, I saw on like Salisbury's Instagram and stuff all year, you were tearing it up on the offensive side of the ball. 
kind of just stockpiling your assists and your goals and stuff like that. So then in the championship game, they kind of said, all right, we're not going to let you beat us. They kind of face guarded you from what I can understand. How did you have to change your game in that situation? Yeah, well, luckily um, it did kind of happen a couple other times throughout the season. Um, so, and we weren't necessarily prepared for that to happen in the championship game. Um, but our offense, all of everyone on the offense is a threat. Um, so when I'm taken away, it's not that big a deal because other people go off. Other people um, do, do what they need to do to, to like get the offense sparking. Like there's so many leaders on that, on that end that it's when one person taken away, it's not the, the end of the world. Um, so I think Julie and, and Lydia really stepped up as, as seniors and um, they were able to just kind of keep the offensive going, get those good looks and, um, you know, score more than the other team pretty much. Gotcha. And then for Carrie, you took home some hardware this year, too. excuse me, won the defensive player of the year for the conference. What, so I played uh, lacrosse growing up and stuff, but obviously it's much different from the girls game. What goes into being such a dominant defender in a college lacrosse team? Um, honestly, I would just say like aggression or just being very strong and just like wanting to get the ball back and just having the urge to like just be more aggressive and just don't let them in or crash and don't let them score is basically just try and get the ball back and get it to our attacking side. But um, on the defensive side, it's basically just working as a unit. So if we all aren't on the same page and not communicating, which is communication is the biggest thing, um, or our defense will fall apart. So I just try and make sure that everyone's talking. And then if we're all on the same page and we're talking and working as a unit, we all literally just dominate, like shown in the Ithaca game was our best game played um, the whole season. We all were just working together because it takes one person until our defense just breaks down. Um, but it also is awesome because we also have those second slides, but we also need to communicate. So we do have those slides, but yeah, just like all around, like everyone being aggressive, like wanting to get that ball back and get it to our offensive side to let them do their thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, so like I already mentioned, you guys had an undefeated season, obviously. So a bunch of wins, like racking them up. Is there any moments that stick out to you guys though, throughout the season where you're just like, that just are like extremely memorable, maybe so than others. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many. Um, well, so we played a bunch of teams a couple times, um, just cause the conference, like whatever, trying to get more games in. Um, so I think that's interesting. One, um, you know, beating a team three times is, is definitely difficult when the that's other teams are, yeah. <laughs> are, are good. Um, you know, we're, we're getting everyone's best game. Um, but I think one of the, the most awesome memories was our senior day um, at home against Mary Wash. Um, we knew the first game was extremely competitive, um, physical, and just we were tired at the end. We were exhausted. Um, but the second game, we won 17-2. to two, And I wasn't necessarily expecting that big of a win. Um, but everything came together in that game, the offense, the defense, in the midfield. Like, it was just – it was – I don't know, like everything just came together and the communication was there, the hype was there. Um, we got 
everyone on the field during senior day. That was like amazing. Um, and and that point we knew where like our standards were. They were they were up here, you know, and and that's how we have to play every game from here on out. And that's what we did. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously winning the national championship. I remember obviously like after winning, everything was kind of just a blur, but there was one moment where Lexi, Carrie and I were just like standing there hugging each other, crying. And we were just like shaking each other's shoulders. Like we just won a national championship because it's, you come to Salisbury to do that. Whether you're playing for the men's team, the women's team, um, you come to Salisbury to win a national championship. And we talk about it all the time. Um, a specific moment going off of that, right before the national championship game, coach gave us his pregame talk. And we were all kind of just like, some people were talking, some people were just like in the zone. That And we had to wait like an hour and a half. Um, and we're just waiting to play and waiting to play. And coach was like, no matter what happens, I love you guys. Um, win or lose, he went back to the 2010 national championship team. And their kind of saying for the whole season was win today, walk together forever. And he got kind of emotional when he said that. And coach doesn't <laughs> usually. So seeing that side of him and seeing just how much it meant for him to be back at another national championship, um, it was just, that was one of the coolest moments since I've been at Salisbury. Yeah, especially those two, I think. Um, another memory or moment is just like all the team chemistry and team building that we had to do with COVID. It was definitely difficult, but we made it work. We went to um, dinners, like hibachi dinners. We had like taco in a bag night and we tried to do as much as we can. And I could to make last year or the year before um, how we usually all like get hype in the locker rooms and obviously we couldn't do that we just had to work our way around and I think everyone just got closer because of that because we wanted us to be able to build a team chemistry but we had to do it in a different way than any other year before so I think that brought um, us as a team together because everyone knew we had to do something to get to know the freshmen and the underclassmen and all of that. <clears throat> Sorry for my voice, but this question for all of you. So how difficult was it to manage your school, athletic, and personal lives? Um, uh, a lot of when we have recruits come to visit, they always ask that question. And honestly, I th think almost everyone on the team can say that having all of that really helps, um, I don't know, develop your time management skills. Um, you have this much time to get this done. You have practice, lift, school at this time. Um, so you really figure out the best way to get things done, um, when to get it done, and you have a great group of people to, like, help you. Um, and there's always, like, opportunities to, like, study and, tu like, tutors and stuff like that. Um, so it's honestly better, I think, than, than not playing lacrosse at all. Like, playing lacrosse definitely helps those – time management skills um yeah for sure and even going off that the time management skills uh outside of lacrosse like now like I'm working like pretty much a full-time job like it literally sets you up for um in the real world situations and you're not like hit in the face like oh no like I have to get all this stuff done but also just it honestly makes it better to be so busy 
um, because when we have days off, we're like, what do we do with ourselves? Like, I we have this much time, but like, I don't know what to do with myself. So on off days, we're definitely like, all right, we got to get our stuff together um, because I do feel myself slacking when we do have a day off because I'm just like chilling and I'm like, how do the NARPs do this? <laughs> I literally need structured time. So then I came home and I literally needed myself to be on like that lacrosse like busy schedule so I literally just like applied to two jobs and now I'm working two jobs and working out I'm like I have to or I'll be so bored yeah it's extremely difficult but that's something that like Lexi said about the recruits like that's something that we preach to them is how great our coach is with handling like if you need to go to a tutor instead of a fall ball practice you go to the tutor so he makes it very easy to manage he helps as much as he can um, with balancing all the areas of your life that you have as a college athlete. Um, so yeah, but like Carrie said, like in the summer, I like, even you find yourself trying to make a routine because that's just what you're used to for the whole school year. So, um, yeah, it gets really difficult and stressful, but it's definitely something that I rather have than not. Absolutely. And so like, next question, as I'm sure you guys are aware, one of the biggest things in sports is the stories that kind of come out from it. So obviously Lexi and Carrie, Final Four is freshmen, national championship game is sophomores, COVID canceled years, juniors, and then to get to the national championship and win it as seniors. What, how do you kind of now reflect back on your four years? And you can answer too, Delaney, obviously, because you've been a part of that championship game in the COVID year and now this championship. Well, I think, <laughs> um, well, we played like our, our final four game freshman year was on the field that we just won at so when we got to that field a couple weeks ago um you know it it was hard because that's where we saw our assistant coach lose her senior game and then our our sophomore year um we lost in the national championship and we knew that couldn't be an option again um we knew that if we were going to get that far that that we had we had to come out with a win and there was, you know, nothing going to stop us. So we're very fortunate with the opportunities that we've had. Um, and COVID was a minor setback, but it definitely helped our determin- like determination. And, um, you know, losing the national championship sophomore year was, uh, you know, it, it put us in redemption time mode this year. Um, so it was, it was just awesome. It's like a perfect little story. And it's, it's just going to be awesome to tell like in, in a couple of years, but we're very lucky to go out is, you know, as great as these last four years were. To go off that, um, our sophomore year, we were actually up against Tufts where our, no, it was, yeah, our sophomore year, we had beat Tufts um, to go into the national championship and then we had lost. But so when we were playing Tufts um, this year, we were like, we have to play our A game because we already know that they're going to try and, try and get that back to win the national championship, how we uh, we beat them um, our sophomore year. But like Lexi said, we were trying to win that as a team and we there was no other option but to win because we literally have been there our, all three years and we had to go out with a bang and we had to get our assistant coach a ring. But even winning on that field just made it so much better because we just – it was that redemption of that field. We were winning instead of crying off that field like we did um, our freshman year. Yeah. My freshman year was 
their sophomore year, my freshman year, we lost in the national championship against Middlebury. And we got back to the locker room and everybody's crying and the seniors are saying goodbye. And the same thing happened this year, but it was a completely different tune. We were crying tears of joy. Um, the seniors were giving their, um, like, this is, you guys have to carry on this tradition and um, showed the, the incoming classes what it means to play here and be on this team. And it was just a completely different beat, obviously, than it was coming back freshman year. Um, so I think carrying that into my senior year, starting this fall, um, just instilling in these incoming classes what it means to play for this team, where Salisbury um, is something that I'm really excited to do. Yeah, and that, that perfectly leads me into the next thing I wanted to ask is, how do you guys, because Salisbury is uh, esteemed and has the tradition in lacrosse, are you, is that just something where you kind of come in and you learn, like, this is the way things are going to go because we have these big goals. Is that like ingrained into you from day one? Do you kind of just follow the yeah. lead? <laughs> yeah, like I definitely think that the freshmen from the start of fall ball were like, oh, this shit's like, this This is intense. Like, mm -hmm. like practices can be fun, but we're here to get better every single day. Um, so when you do commit here, it's, it's because you want to win a national championship, like we said earlier. Um, and, it, you know, it's grind time. We, we want to get better every single day um, at practice and lift just as, as players and as people. Um, so, yeah, it starts out right when you walk on that field for the first time as a rookie. Yeah. Um, and we have, I think, our senior year, senior class this year, um, you know, we're, we're good leaders. And we set, you know, a good, good role models for the rookies. But, yeah, it's definitely, you know, every year that Coach – coach preaches that you know this is the real deal and you're here to win yeah and like when you're sitting we have like individual meetings with coach and he tells us what he wants us to be working on and everything and when you're sitting in his office he has pictures of his rings and all the national championships just everywhere they're you're just staring at them no matter where you look so it's just it's in the culture it's the tradition um like Lexi said it's just something that the rookies you realize when you step on we have captain's practices before we start our official fall ball with coach in the fall and it's something that as soon as you step on the field at those captain's practices you know okay this is college lacrosse this is Salisbury lacrosse um this is how things work here and I think coach he's this was his 20th season I think he does a great job with making sure that that incoming class knows exactly what's expected expected of them um, and how things how things are ran in this program. So go off that um, with the captain's practices, all of the upperclassmen knows what coach's goals are. So he has very high standards. So we tell them in advance, like this is what he's looking for. Um, this is exactly what he wants you to do just to give him like heads up. And our fall ball practices are pretty intense. And throughout the whole season, coach just continues to push us harder and harder because we always say, like, we're only as strong as our weakest link. And he has those very high expectations to get to that goal. And that's why he knows to push us to our ultimate limit to reach where we won the national championship because that's the ultimate goal at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So to go back to the championship game for one more minute, so Delaney, you score and put the team up fourteen to ten with how much? About how much time was left in the game? Do you remember? 
I, I want to say like six minutes, maybe. I was going to say six yeah. minutes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, kind of just, if you can recall back, take us through that final six minutes because you were up 14-10 and then they scored three unanswered, I believe. So just from like probably elation to a little bit worried and then just yeah. ultimately winning it all. When I scored the 14th goal, it was 14 to 10. We were up by four goals. And everybody, I think everybody at that point was like feeling a little more comfortable. Like there were six minutes left. Obviously, like you, you still have to keep going, foot on the gas. But I think we were feeling a little better. And then they just came out and we're getting draw after draw after draw after draw. And we were just like, oh, my, like they're, they're really climbing back in this. So um, it, it was definitely the last six minutes were the biggest roller coaster of my life. It was, it was just so intense and we, they get the ball again off the draw and they're just working it around. It's 14 to 13 at this point. They're working it around, working it around. And I think there was like at, a little under a minute at this point and they have the ball and they feed it into the middle of the eight and MC I'm getting chills. I know. Thinking <laughs> about it again, oh my gosh. MC just came out of the eight and grabbed the ball. And I I was standing on the sideline. I'd just been subbed and I was like, I just didn't even know what to say. Like all of the, the, this was happening, like the national championship and this was happening. So she came out and got the ball. She goes back in the crease. What'd you say? That she passed it to me, and I was like, yeah. I just have to get into the attack. I was like, that's the only thing that came to my mind. So yeah. I was running down, and he, he called, called it out. Thank gosh, because I was gassed. I know, I know. He called it out. We're staring at him, and then Lexi, seconds. yeah, Lexi looked at Coach, and she was like, he was like saying like how he wanted things to go, and then Lexi was like, looked directly at him, and she was like, no, like who do you want to get the ball? Where do you want them to get the ball? Like, how do you want this happen? yeah it was just it was the craziest it was absolutely insane but if you wanted an exciting national championship you definitely got it with that one because it couldn't yeah. have been more exciting the last it was the last like 40 seconds of the game and all we like knew we needed to do was stall um don't turn the ball over pretty much um so we had a game plan um didn't follow the game plan but I took my better judgment <laughs> Um, and passed it to Carrie, and she passed it back. But it worked out. We went behind X. Um, you know, we just – we did what we needed to do. And um, and then at the end of the game, it was just like, are we are we in a dream? Is it, you know, is this really happening? And it did. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best feeling ever. And then Coach was the happiest he's ever – still is the happiest he's ever been. Um, so it was just – one of the best feelings in the world. Don't know if anything's ever going to top it. But. Yeah, this is definitely, it's the peak. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm just now starting to like, finally, it's almost been a month that I'm like, just now <laughs> finally starting to like wrap my head around it a little bit. Um, I don't think I ever will fully, um, it's just absolutely, it's so cool. And what was it like having your parents support you in the stands for the whole journey and like the championship and everything like that? Oh my gosh. Really? I think they were more stressed than we were. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, like, they were – so them seeing us go through all these, like, games back and forth, like, not winning it sophomore year, like, being in the national championship, Um, I mean, getting there freshman year, like, they literally are 
going through the same thing, like, emotionally, but I think it's hard, I mean, it would be harder for me just watching, Mm -hmm. and just, like, knowing that, like, they have no control but to cheer, so they were honestly, like, the nerves were going crazy, my parents told me, like, they were all just so anxious, and honestly, probably more anxious than us, Um, but it's honestly, like, amazing, because it just shows how much love and support we have, like, throughout every game, we had I don't even know how many fans, but always topped the the other team, like with Final Four and everything. Um, just so many like parents and extended family wanted to come, and it just showed like our Salisbury family and the fans and the support is just like crazy. Like it's it's like just makes everyone feel so loved. I when I after the national championship game. And when I finally got to my parents, they, like, well, because the final four, we weren't allowed. We were so far away from them. Like, we won the game, but we weren't allowed to, like, hug them, talk to them, nothing. Um, Because we were still kind of in, like, the COVID bubble. So we finally won the national championship. And our parents, like, get over to our side from the stands. They get over to us. And I just could tell my dad had been crying. And I finally get to hug him. And I will never forget that feeling. He's crying. I'm crying. Um, then I hug my grandfather and he's like, it's okay. You can cry. Like I've been crying this whole thing. <laughs> and then, uh, the same thing with my grandparents, both my grandparents. And then my mom, I finally got to my mom. I was just a mess. And it's just, you, we've played this for so long. Like we've played lacrosse since we were four or five, six years old and the club tournaments and the wreck and everything that they've supported us with. And, um, we, I can say for myself, and I think I can say for these two, too, um, we definitely would not be anywhere without them. So just the support system that we have behind us was amazing. And seeing everybody there at the game was the coolest experience ever. Yeah, definitely shout out mom, dad, brother. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, they come into, you know, Salisbury, like, okay, like, this is great. And then they end up making some of the best friends that they've ever had in their lives. (laughs) Um, looking forward to driving what if they go to a game and back like six hours a day they don't care like they have so much fun Um, it's just overall like some of the best like team chemistry family chemistry out there really and it's it's awesome so they want it like just as much as we did so it's it's just really awesome the support system And to go off that, I swear, like, our parents have group chats without us. And sometimes, like, hey, mom, hey, dad, what are you doing? They're like, oh, yeah, we're at, uh," like, another Salisbury parent's house. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I was like, I didn't know you were going there. But it's just so awesome because after, like, when we graduate and stuff, like, they were crying that they were leaving and, like, not going to be able to see each other, like, and then they're like, no, we'll keep in touch. It's just, like, amazing because um, even the parents from years past, like, still keep in touch with my parents. And it's just, like, awesome. It's just, like, because I was going from a club team and, like, here's team out, and I really wanted to find, like, a family-oriented team. And this, like, I could not have asked for anything better. Like, this team is, like, a big family, and I just love it. Carrie's um, little sister, Lizzie, well, Carrie likes to call her Elizabeth. We all call her Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> she's a freshman this year so we'll have Carrie's parents around for a couple more years and that's awesome because her parents are the best yeah I'll be helping coach here and there too yeah <laughs> well yeah that leads me right into my my next question for Carrie and Lexi is now that you finished your your title run what's next for you guys if you have anything lined up 
So basically, um, I am living at home for now, and I'm going to help out with games coaching here and there. But I got a PT tech job. I got a PT tech job, so I'm working there, like, pretty full-time and getting experience before I apply in the fall. And then I'll hopefully get in. But And then I'm also waitressing at a restaurant. Um, and, yeah, still going to work out because – I need to keep in shape, even though I'm not playing lacrosse, and it definitely won't be the same. Um, the two hours of crazy, intense um, workouts, but I'll try my best. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's about it for me. And then I'll go to grad school for three more years. Am I still frozen? No, you're, you're good. <laughs> um, so I'm going to Chatham University in Pittsburgh for. Um, occupational therapy doctorate program um so I start that the end of August and that'll be yeah three years and I'm living with um someone who dm's me so that'll be a new experience I don't know anyone there um hopefully find like a little job on the side um still be working out gotta find a gym there but um <laughs> yeah super excited for that so new new chapter Absolutely. And I'll get you guys out of here on this one. So like I said, obviously, you won all your games this year. So a lot of great moments. Is there any moments that stick out to you as like the funniest ones from this season? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. But I think the oh, my gosh. Okay. So the <laughs> funniest one for me, um, maybe let's see two and everyone else. But we always like, I don't know, as a team, like joke around and stuff like that. But there's one point. Oh, it was final four weekend and <laughs> they know what I'm going to say. And um, so Lexi, me, uh, Julie, Brie, and Emily had gone to the store to get a birthday cake for our assistant coach and our um, teammates that birthday it was. And we're going, we got groceries, got extra like water and stuff like that. So we're like, okay, we're just going to put it in the back of the, the trunk. And we're in coaches like car that they get through like Salisbury because he had to drive down separate um he wasn't on the bus just to save an extra seat for someone else that could go on the bus uh COVID stuff <laughs> and so he had driven separately and we go and open up the trunk and there's boulders like huge boulders like rocks and we're like oh, oh my gosh what is this guy doing with these rocks there's like two like big boulders and then there's like mini rocks we're like okay his workout shoes are there his sweat towels there like maybe he's just like lifting weights or whatever so we're we go back and julie had found a rock and put it in front of his his hotel room door so in the morning he woke up and there was a rock so then he came down and was like so who put this rock um in front of my door you're we like oh what are you talking about like no one and then um then we were like so coach like why do you have rocks in the back of your car and he was like I collect them like my pool for my pool in my yard like he just collects rocks so like the whole rest of the trip like when I, we went to Wawa um I picked up a rock and I was like wow this looks like a rock coach would want so um <laughs> when we were doing our speeches in the locker room I was like wait one more thing and I was like so coach, um, since you collect rocks and you're really into them, I thought I must have picked this up for you when I saw it at Wawa to end like the trip and everything with the rock. And I don't know, it was just very funny. So 
um, the rocks were definitely a very funny part because they were just literally weighing down the car. He, and they, were he said he, they were probably They were huge. Pounds. He said he decorates his pool, like around his pool area with them. So since we've been away and since we've won and everything, we've gotten pictures of the rocks around the pool. So yeah, they're like, where question. are you? Where are you taking who, are, are people? Are people watching you take these big ass boulders from somewhere and putting them in the back of your car? Like, what are you doing? I don't know how he didn't hurt himself, but he took a picture with the national championship trophy with that big rock. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. He did. Oh, he's like, God, he's so funny. That just if that if there was one story to sum up, coach, that would be it. That's my funniest, my yeah, my funniest moment of the season has to deal with coach. Also, um, it was just in the national championship. The there's this one warm up line that we have that does all different kinds of like <laughs> before every game they do like some sports move, whether it's like them acting like they're horse racing or playing basketball, whatever it is. So they got every single one of the coaches, our trainer, everybody to do some type of dunk on. They were just like standing there like this. So they acted like every single coach, trainer, everything was doing the dunk. And then coach comes in last and he's just like flying through the air and dunks on them. And he also did that my sophomore, my freshman year, their sophomore year at the national championship. And he knocked somebody over when he, when he tried to slam dunk. So yeah, he's uh, a lot of our funny stories come back to coach. He's the best. Well, the other one, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. The other funny one was when um, we went to dump the cooler on his head and we accidentally oh, slammed him in the head. That was my fault. And we were like, and he, I'm like, coach, like, oh my God, we just like really slammed him in the head. Like the pictures are all cute and stuff. Meanwhile, <laughs> slammed him with the cooler. He's like, it's okay, guys. I didn't even feel it. <laughs> He just had so much adrenaline. He said he didn't even feel it in, in yeah. his videos. It's so funny. Can you just see me patting his head like, mm. head, like I'm so sorry. <laughs> he did not. He was like, I didn't feel it at all. Like, I'm so well, happy. We're like, well, in that case, we should have hit you a little harder than that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Thank you guys so much for, like I said, taking the time to do this. Hopefully, you had a little bit of fun reliving that championship game. Seems like it. Uh, Absolutely. I'm going to air this tomorrow on our episode. We're about to record it after we get off of here. So just, again, thanks so much for taking the time, and congrats on a great season. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. (laughs) Bye, guys. Take care. No more parties in L.A. Please, baby, no more parties in L.A. Alrighty, so a great, great interview. It was a lot of fun. Thanks again to Delaney, Carrie, and Lexi for coming on. We got to learn more about their national championship from their perspective, and that's always cool. As two people that won't be competing for a collegiate national championship in their lifetimes, just awesome stuff, awesome to hear, and awesome to talk about some other sports that aren't NBA basketball or NFL football because there's so much that goes on in the world of sports that doesn't always get the coverage it deserves because... It might not necessarily be the big money maker, whether that's lacrosse, men's and women's, whether that's even baseball and softball at some times, other sports such as golf. I don't know. There's a, so much tennis. I could go on for days. There's great sport. The Olympics are coming up. That's mm-hmm. crazy, too. So a lot of good stuff. It was cool to get some exposure of different parts of the sports world. Speaking of the sports world, we need to talk about something, some news that came out this week, and that was the announcement of the Madden 22 cover athletes. That's right, I said athletes. Not just one, as in years past. 
going to be two cover athletes. And the trailer that we got before the cover dropped was just two goats in a barn. From there, everybody kind of just assumes it, w- it would be Mahomes and Brady, and that's exactly who it was. What is your take on those two gracing the cover? Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, <clears throat> only because Mahomes was on the cover of Madden 20 and then Brady on the cover of Madden 18. I just think that they should do a different person. Someone like you and I were talking about Derrick Henry, Aaron Donald. It would be cool to see defensive player because we haven't gotten that since like Madden 15 with Richard Sherman. Um, I don't know, but these two players have just... Obviously, they're the stars and the money makers of the NFL right now, but... You still want to see different people get the shine every now and then, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and you and I were speculating before when we were talking about it is it was probably supposed to be Rodgers this year, yeah. and then all that, the the rift between Rodgers and the Packers came out, and so yeah. that just makes it hard to throw him on the cover because you don't want to put him on the cover in his Packers uniform if he's not going to be yeah. there next year, and that's still up in the air. So it's cool, like I said. It's cool that Mahomes and Brady are on the cover, but... It's a tired story to me at this point. It's a great story. Mahomes is awesome. Brady's awesome. The things that they're doing are unparalleled pretty much in football. Brady with his seven championships. Mahomes on the greatest like young tear. Mm-hmm. Better than Brady. Yeah. So that's and it hasn't really been done before. But it's we got them in the Super Bowl. We got the coverage of them all season, the crazy things they were doing. Madden is a fun thing. It's supposed to be a fun, different thing. Derrick Henry had a phenomenal season. Put him on the cover. Make yeah. his player go <clears throat> crazy next year. Aaron Donald the best defensive player in the NFL right now. Put him on the cover. And it doesn't really matter because people are still going to buy the game regardless of the cover. And you and I talked about Even though about, the game's terrible. Even yeah. though the game doesn't change. It's just a new <laughs> roster yep. every year. But And people buy it online now, too, is the thing. Is So it doesn't. the cover doesn't even really even matter no, that much. Yeah, it doesn't. But I don't know. It just would have been nice to see something different. Yeah. And I don't think they were surprising anybody with that little no. goat trailer. Yeah. <sighs> Who would you – we talked about Donald, Henry, Rodgers. Is there anybody else that comes to mind is, that you would have liked to have seen on the cover? I think maybe Kyler Murray would have yeah. been an interesting one. <clears throat> St- um, not Sam Darnold. Josh Allen had a great year. Josh been cool Allen. To throw him Nick on the cover. Chubb, I think he is so underrated, but he's also like top three in the running back category in the NFL. So I think he would have been a cool cover. Yeah, ultimately, just a lot of places they could have gone with it. Instead, yeah. they tried Jalen Ramsey. He also would have been really cool. Oh too. my goodness! Right. Yeah. So they could have gone any of those directions. Instead, they say they stayed tried and true yeah. to their true moneymaker and went Brady and Mahomes. No surprise there. That game's gonna come out in August, and it's gonna be just like Madden 21 and just like Madden 20. Madden hasn't really changed since the X factors came out and made that made that different. Yeah. Because now you just have to play around X factors if you're going against them. Neither here nor there. Let's move along to our segment we have this week. Top fives. The top fives we picked to do this week were top five sports cities. So we went back and forth. I'm going to let you go first, though. What is your first out of your top five sports cities? <clears throat> Hold on. Let me just clarify before we get into it. We don't rank these one to five. They're just mm-hmm. our top fives yeah. overall. So go ahead. You can do the soundbite. I forgot about that. Oh, true. Let's see if I remember which one it is. Top five, top five, top five. All right, let's go. Hey, there we go. All right, my first... Is New York City the big NYC? You have to, right? I mean, Knicks franchise is finally decent again. You have the Giants and Jets who have been terrible for forever, but their fans are super loyal. So, yeah, that's my first. Does Brooklyn count in NYC to you, or is Brooklyn Mm. its own thing? Sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. It's kind of hard. I mean, even if you do, the thing is, 
because of the super team they have now, I feel like anyone, like they're, the only people supporting them are Nets fans who have been Nets fans their whole lives. You know what I mean? So I don't even know. And, really... well, and bandwagons. But also, Boy. no, that's what I was going to say yeah, is so... people from New York won't claim the Nets before yeah, they claim the Knicks. No, But not. you also didn't even mention the Yankees, oh, the yeah. Mets, How'd I forget? the yeah. New York Islanders. Yeah, I'm sorry. So it's I'm just, always thinking. No, yeah, no biggie, no biggie but yeah. just a great, great city for sports, which leads me to my first of my top five, and you let me have this. I did. Los Angeles. Between the Lakers, the Clippers, the Dodgers, the Angels of Anaheim, who is their NHL team? The the Kings, the yeah, Los Angeles Kings. Kings. So just a lot, a lot of good stuff. The Rams and now the Chargers, who are both in L.A. A lot of teams to like, a lot of great uniforms, a lot of great players. Just so much fun. L.A. is the big city. It's the West Coast version of New York, just like New York would be the East Coast version of L.A., just a great, great sports city. What's your next one? My next one's Miami. You have to. They have some of the dopest jerseys as well, like you just said. But uh, they have the Dolphins. They have the Heat. They have the Marlins. Um, do they have an a- NHL team? I'm about to I tell forget. you. But just tell me some more about those teams. Uh, I, they're just, I mean, Miami's just like the city you want to go to. You know what I mean? Like, Heat games are just amazing. Uh, I've never been above. So they really they do go. have a, a team. It's the Florida Panthers. That's right. Yeah, Florida. So Panthers. it's not yeah, the yeah. Miami. It's not Miami, but it's in Florida. Panthers. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they they just have a great sports city. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good one. Yeah. And again, like its location helps too. Yeah, and have you ever? Why would you not want to be in South Beach? In the Dolphins um, stadium, they have that like pool that fans go into. No, you're wrong. That's the Jaguar Stadium. I thought no. I thought Miami had one too. Maybe I'm not sure. I'm not. Or, sure. I know that the Jaguars. I know that pool. the Jaguars do, but I thought Miami did too. Maybe not. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. But yeah, just sure. between the Dolphins and the Heat, especially like yeah. those, just your NH. Excuse me, just your NFL and your MLB. Oh my <laughs> goodness, just your NFL and your NBA teams. Yeah. Like they're both iconic franchises yeah. in the sport itself, in the leagues itself. So, just very, very good things. Who's your next? My next is the. The city of Chicago. So the Bulls, perhaps one of the most historic basketball franchises in all the NBA because of what they did in the 90s. The Chicago Bears, perhaps one of the most iconic football teams to ever be in the NFL. One of the greatest defenses. One of the greatest defenses, the 85 85 Bears. Bears. So one of the greatest teams ever. So even as the Bears haven't seen that success trickle into this millennium, into this century, Still a storied, storied team, a storied franchise. Really good. I'm trying to think. I really should have done my prep better. NHL. The Blackhawks. Yeah. They won a Stanley Cup not too long ago. That wasn't too long ago. Good team there. And then the they have the White Sox and the Cubs. So the Cubs ended their 108-year playoff drought. Or not playoff drought, World Series drought. They won that back in 2016, I believe. So just a lot of good stuff going on in Chicago. And an iconic city up there in the... Middle of the country, kind of in the north. Well, that's not, not quite the northwest, but it's not exactly the northeast. So central north, very, very good city. Yeah. What is your next one? My next one <clears throat> is Philadelphia. Probably the most hated fans out of all the fan bases of all time. Um, I know everyone complains about Philly fans just because they're so passionate about their sports that their fans are just so... I don't even know what the word is for them, but... Crazy? Yeah, just crazy. Like, they're so reckless. Yeah, but it's kind of what makes it 
Philly. Yeah, that like yeah, is because they're reckless and they don't Cheese care sticks about and anybody fans. else. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Philly does. That's what Philly is, bro. So my next one, and I had to think about it for a while. I picked Denver. I got the chance to go out and visit Colorado back in January and got to go see Denver. And it's kind of like a low key city, more mm-hmm. so than some of these other cities. But just between the Nuggets, the Broncos. The Colorado Avalanche. Just a lot of good stuff going on out there. The Nuggets are now in the Western Conference playoff race year in and year out. The Broncos with those Peyton Manning teams went to mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. Just a lot of good stuff. They're on a downturn right now, but they could easily get back, and the mile high is always just iconic. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's a very good city for sports. My next one's Atlanta, also one of the most iconic uh, places that rappers come out of. True. Um, they have, That's true. It is very true. Uh, they have the Braves. They have the Falcons. They have the Hawks, who, of course, might be going to the uh, conference finals. Um, yeah. Trey Atlanta. Trey Atlanta. I just made that up right now. I hate it so much. But it's true. Okay, from there, my final... Oh, I have two more. Actually, yeah. I lied. Tampa. Tampa has risen up the charts in terms of great sports cities over the last... Three four years between the Bucks, obviously getting their Super Bowl with Tom Brady, the Rays who went to the World Series last year lost to the Dodgers, and the Tampa Bay Lightning who won a Stanley Cup. So just a lot of winning going on there, they and might winning, be winning another one this year too. Yeah, they're the in Lightning. the Lightning are in the heat of that playoff race yep. against the Islanders right now. So just. Winning breeds a great culture, and that's exactly what Tampa has going for it right now. And I've never been to Tampa to party, but I heard it's also a great party city. You got to think that any of the big cities down there in Florida kind of are, though. So with that said, what is your last one? My last one is Cleveland, which doesn't really seem like it is, but, I mean, they're known for their football. They have probably the most loyal fan base out of any NFL team just because of all the years that they've been terrible with the Browns. They have the Cleveland Cleveland. Cavaliers can't talk. Um, of course, they haven't been good since LeBron left again, but they did win that championship back in 2018. And then the Cleveland Indians, 2016. who 2016, yeah, I'm sorry. And then the Indians, who they were in the World Series in 20, wasn't that 2016 as well? And they blew that 3 1 lead. I'm pretty sure they, the they, were, they were very that, good. They were yeah. very, very good. Yeah, so I don't know if they necessarily. I'm not sure if they went to the World Series, but they were very good. Yeah, so I wouldn't say it's a huge sports town outside of football, but their football, they love their football. Absolutely. Which brings me to my last sports city, and this is going to be kind of that hometown bias. I picked Baltimore. Yes, the Orioles are in the midst of a massive, massive rebuild. Who knows what's going to come of that? But while they've been going through that, Baltimore Ravens have arched into an entirely new era of their football team's existence with Lamar Jackson and the Lamar Jackson show. So it's just, it's very, very, it's a very exciting time. As someone who grew up going to games and stuff, Baltimore fans are kind of rowdy too, like Philly fans. Not anywhere near to the same extent, but there's just like nothing like going to a game in Baltimore. It's a close-knit city with the MLB stadium and the NFL stadium right there next to each other. It's kind of a centralized area. Just a lot of good stuff going on there. Honorable mention. Oh, shoot. I thought of Oh, honorable mention, the state of Texas. Yeah. So many good teams in the state of Texas. It just, you could pick anyone. You could pick San Antonio. You could pick Houston. You could pick Dallas. Lots of great things between the Cowboys, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Their Astros. Their high school football. Their is high absurd. school football yeah. is absolutely crazy. So it's just, I don't know. A lot of good things going on. They were. 
the, I'm sorry, this is the Cleveland Indians. They did go to the World Series, but they lost to the Cubs in 2016. Yeah, I think they were up three to one too. Yes, they had so a they three one lead, lead, and then the Cavs and then they won. lost. Yeah. So yeah, Crazy. so their manager won Manager of the Year, but that about does it for our show. We got to wrap up. We got to do our top of the hill takes. Let's spit them off the dome. Do you want to go first or should I? I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. Hot take. Well, eh, maybe not that much, but I think that Chris Middleton will still be on his tear in Game Seven, and I say that the Bucks take the series. Okay, I will. Not as much of a hot take, but I'm going to argue the other side. Harden has his series signature game. Bad hamstring, bum hamstring. I'm gonna. I said he would have a double double. Before mm-hmm. the playoffs are over, I think maybe that double-double comes tomorrow night. Or no. tonight, if you're listening to this, when it comes out on Saturday. Yeah. So Game 7, Saturday night. This episode's hopefully, we're recording on Friday, hopefully coming out Saturday morning. Barring any crazy stuff that happens, and I don't see any of that happening. So Harden's going to have his signature game in Brooklyn in front of the home crowd. The Nets will move on to their first conference finals since 2003 with Jason Kidd at the home. But like I said, that does it for us on this episode of Top of the Hill. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview. Hopefully you learned something in the NBA talk. And we'll see you back here sometime early next week. This was Top of the Hill.